0: We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is E.J. Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten. I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Good morning, everybody! Happy Labor Day, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. As we take a look at uh, the the film, we had a chance to kind of digest what happened with Ohio State and Notre Dame. This is our upon further review, what we learned about Ohio State's win over Notre Dame podcast. And glad to have you on board with us here on this uh, holiday Monday morning. I'm Brendan Gulick. That's Craig Heisen. You can either stream this live with us on our YouTube channel. Or you can listen to it after the fact, either on YouTube or wherever you like to get your favorite podcasts. It'll be posted uh, here shortly after we wrap up. Um, we're talking about an Ohio State win over Notre Dame. Craig, the best thing about going 1-0, chance to go 2-0. So that's a good thing. We're going to dive in uh, right away on that. But we got to start with something that maybe it's a little more personal. It's not even Buckeye related. You know, I, I just saw the breaking news before we got on the air and uh, I saw your Masters polo, which I... I might snag the next time I see you. If that's missing from your uh if that's missing from your, your wardrobe, uh don't call me. Uh did you see that Herb Kohler just passed away? I did. Pretty uh pretty sad, man. Herb Kohler. For those who don't know, I know this is an Ohio State pod, but for those who don't know, Herb Kohler, uh he was the president of the Kohler Company, Kohler Kitchen and Bath. Um, but he is he was a golf nut golf is is my thing away from work craig same deal uh he's the brainchild behind whistling Straits, where they just held the Ryder cup last year um he was a a uh, really really impactful figure in the game of golf certainly for resort golf in uh, in america uh and he actually also purchased the old course hotel at st andrews in scotland so um yeah sad day he was 83 years old and uh I'll, I will enjoy reading some uh, Herb
1: Kohler things along the way, but uh, felt like pointing that out. You have any
0: Herb Kohler memories?
1: I don't. All the, other than I want to get to Whistling Straits. No, so look at it all the time online. Haven't been there yet. Hopefully yep. one day. Soon. One of
0: my one of my favorite
1: trips for sure.
0: Okay, yeah. to the Buckeyes because that's what people are here for, and uh, we've got plenty to talk about. Um, I mean, the overarching impression here was was obviously pretty darn good. Glad that Ohio State. Uh, showed the competitive stamina and the toughness. Those are the two words that were sort of out of Ryan Day's mouth pretty regularly during the offseason, and I thought they showed what they needed to late in the the game. You could make an argument that they were playing as well in the fourth quarter as they played at any point prior to that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it it was enough to get it done, and for a while it left you with some uneasy feelings because the offense wasn't clicking. But the defense looked great. So, before we maybe dive into some specifics, since this is the first time that you and I have been on
1: uh, with each other here post game, uh, what are your overarching thoughts? Just starting from Saturday morning, just an unbelievable atmosphere uh, around campus. Um, everybody in a great mood. The weather could have been a little bit better, but hey, it didn't dampen the day at all. Uh, off and on, rain showers all day, but it was. Just the atmosphere, it was one of the best. I don't want to say it was the best. I don't want to have recency bias, but one of the best atmospheres I can remember at Ohio State. Um, With COVID kind of being uh, in the rearview mirror and having a chance to have everybody out and tailgating and and really have that game day atmosphere that was pre-COVID that Ohio State saw for a lot of the big games, it was nice to see that again. The crowd was incredible Saturday night. and it was a star-studded affair. I mean, the, the celebrities and players that were walking onto the field, if you're one of those five-star recruits or, heck, even a three-star recruit, which I'm sure we'll get into, because uh, those guys were the guys that made the play Saturday night on this top of the it. five-star recruits. But um, it was the who's who of, of sports and entertainment at the Ohio State game. Uh, and just a fun day. It was, it was, it was incredible. Certainly,
0: more fun when uh, when it ends with a victory. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, to your point, and Andrew and I talked about this uh, on our instant analysis post game show. You know, th- there's probably something to be said for hosting a game of that magnitude as your first game of the year, even though it might be a little harder for you to be able to do. Um, the college football season essentially starts a week before the NFL, so you get the chance to bring back a lot of those former players. I talked to Terry McLaurin, you know, before the game for a good five minutes, and he just said, look, I, I love coming back. I just can't get here very often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to your point, man, Justin Fields, Zeke Elliott, Chase Young, Thayer Munford, Terry McLaurin. I mean, there were dozens of star players in the NFL and certainly, you know, recent former Buckeyes that were on the sideline. And what a recruiting pitch to have Dylan Rayola, who you, you hope is your quarterback of the future, hanging out with Justin Fields on the sideline, you know. Um, and then, by the way, for Brian Hartline to take, you know, <laughs> yeah. a, 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 I don't know, at least a dozen recruits over to go hang out with LeBron James. Um, you know, pretty that's cool. a recruiting pitch that a lot of places just don't have access to. So, mm-hmm. uh, really, I, I thought that was pretty cool. And I, I hope the Buckeyes can find a way to to capitalize on that more often because they had a boatload of, uh, of you know, high school talent sign or I guess nobody signed at this point committed and uncommitted. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put on a, that was a quick, that was a
1: quick question I had for you just future scheduling wise. Do you think they take advantage of that more in the future? Knowing I mean, that, Hey, week one, because usually, usually they have those marquee games two, three, sure. four, knowing that the NFL not started yet and having that help recruiting.
0: I, I hope so. I mean, I sure, I sure think that they would consider that based on how Saturday went um, I will certainly ask those questions this week, uh, when I'm in the facility, but mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine that Ohio state walked away from this weekend going, yeah, we, we could have, you know, we swung and missed. We could have done better. I, I should have started. Remember. Yeah. We should have started yeah. with Toledo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, I would think that if they were smart and they do a lot of pretty intelligent things, <laughs> I would mm-hmm. think that would be part of their process going forward. Um, all right, let's dive into what we learned because that's that's kind of the overarching theme of the pod here. Uh, I wrote down a bunch of things. I watched the game from start to finish. I tried to pause it along the way to kind of take note of who was on the field in certain instances uh, or who wasn't on the field in certain instances. And uh, I definitely picked up a few things along the way that I want to get into. Um, maybe Maybe this comes across as not a huge deal because they won the game but one thing that really stuck with me the Buckeyes had four 15-yard penalties Mm -hmm. and if you're going to win football games late in the season that can't happen JT Tuimolo Al on the first play from scrimmage again whether or not you like the call they they were called and and you gave up yards on these JT Tuimolo Al was called for a uh, a, a high hit essentially on the quarterback, and that was tacked on at the end of a 54-yard completion. Kudos to the defense for stiffening up and and not giving up a touchdown there. Um, who else? Uh, Zach Harrison was called for a, an unnecessary roughness call on a uh, punt coverage play, and and it wasn't on TV, so I didn't exactly see where where it happened. But it was on a fair catch on a punt. How do you how do you have a personal foul? Unnecessary right. roughness on a that fair cap, happen. inexcusable, cannot happen. Um, especially from a guy who the Buckeyes are, are leaning heavily on his leadership. He's, he's an upperclassman. Um, Lathan ransom. I didn't love the call. Tyler Buckner went into a slide. I didn't think he was committed early enough when ransom hit him. Ransom didn't spear him, but he was called for, for, a you know, a bad hit on a sliding quarterback. again, it, it wasn't malicious. Ryan Day was irate. Lathan Ransom immediately saw the flag and it was kind of like, you got to be kidding me. That's that's not a penalty. It was an
1: awfully quick slide on that one. He didn't yep. have any time to do anything else other than that. So if that that penalty I was okay with. There's nothing he could have done.
0: Yep. But either way, <laughs> it's 15 yards. Right. You know, Another no 15 hurt. yards. Um,
1: and then Travion
0: Henderson, you know, maybe just a young play. He had a 15-yard chop block on a play that also Donovan Jackson got flagged for holding, but the 15-yard penalty, you know, overruled the 10-yard the penalty. Um, and, yeah, uh, that was a pretty egregious – I mean, it was a great block, but it's illegal. Uh, you can't spear at a guy's knees the way that, that Henderson did. So, um, between that and a couple of false start penalties from Dewan Jones – it just wasn't a super clean game from Ohio state in terms of its discipline. And maybe we just chalked it up to week one. Um, I, I'm quite certain that's going to be a big emphasis moving forward, that when you're playing these next two weeks, the coaching staff's going to want to see some serious progress because that, that just can't happen. You know, moving forward, you can't have four 15 yard penalties
1: and expect that you're going to consistently win games. Yeah, you're 100 right. You can't, especially in these next two opponents that they should beat easily. Uh, you you got to be really clean and just you're kind of not even so much worried about your opponent. You're more worried about what you're doing and getting ready for that, what's coming down the road. You just got to play a really clean game these next two weeks. Um, you want to get in a couple takeaways that you had yeah. from Saturday in particular, and
0: yeah, no, yeah, let's 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 keep yeah. rolling. Um, I thought the from a special teams perspective, obviously missing a field goal is a pain in the butt. Thankfully, it didn't come back to to you know really hurt Ohio State. It certainly felt like it at the time, and as the game went along, it it started to loom a little larger. You know, Noah Ruggles was basically automatic last year, so I I'm not worried about him missing field goals with any regularity. Uh, but obviously, that was disappointing. And then I mentioned the 15 yard penalty on a fair caught punt from Notre Dame, that's not good. But on the positive side, I thought Ohio State's kickoff unit was awesome. Chip Trainham and Xavier Johnson in particular, to me, really stood out on that unit. They made two great tackles. Um, I just thought the way that the Buckeyes kind of stayed in their lanes racing up the field and swarmed on both of those plays. F- field position was a huge part of this game. Um, and, you know, Notre Dame didn't turn the ball over, so Ryan Day had to keep putting them in tough spots, and thankfully, the Buckeye punt team did a good job, you know, didn't, there were were no long punt returns against them, uh, and I thought the kickoff unit was really solid, so I, I, I am impressed, I know it might sound silly, guys, I'm impressed by the way Ohio State took their special teams as seriously as they did, because, if you watch last night's game between LSU and, and Florida State, special teams was an unmitigated disaster. That it was, was awful. LSU lost two fumbles on punts, then a field goal blocked, and then, of course, at the end of the game, mm-hmm. after the most unbelievable, ridiculous Florida State gifting it to them comeback, then LSU uh, had a, a point after blocked and lost the game.
1: It was a special See. teams nightmare. To your special team's point, Brendan, how proud do you think Coach Tressel was for that punt from the 44 yard line? Yeah, probably I mean, love that. I mean, I mean, it was Tressel ball at its finest. You ever thought you'd it see Ryan Day another. punt from the 44? Because I didn't. I was when he sent the punt team out there, I could not believe it worked out in the end, but I just couldn't believe at the time that they were doing you, that.
0: You thing. and every other Ohio State fan was like, there's no way he's doing it. Really? <laughs> right. Seriously? Yeah. But then Notre Dame actually punted later in the game, I, I wrote it down, I think it was from like the, the plus 36 or thir- plus 38 yard yeah. line. I mean, it was they, in they were even deeper and, and they mm-hmm. punted um, because Trestle both teams really valued <laughs> field position. I mean, I Jim troutsell had to just have a smile plastered <laughs> all over his
1: face all game. That was yeah. awesome. My first takeaway, obviously, every, it's probably the same as everybody, but the, how well the defense played. I had to look, I've heard the name Michael Hall, but I got to be honest, I had to look and see why the game was going on, what number he was, because I saw 51. I'm like, man, that guy's in the backfield every play. I had yeah. to look. And even Chris Fowler, one of the best in the game, he he had to check the, the roster sheet because I think at first he didn't know who it was because it's a guy that's kind of come on lately. Um, not a big-time recruit, but, man, played his tail off and uh, was incredible. If he's playing like that up front, uh, it's going to be a long year for opposing offenses.
0: So I, I had a chance to see him play a couple times in high school at, at Streetsboro mm-hmm. up in Northeast Ohio, I'd call it greater Cleveland, but it's probably more greater Akron. Uh, it's, it's close to Kent. Um, and, you know, Streetsboro is not a big time division one high school powerhouse program. So, you know, he looked like a man amongst boys, but he was a little raw. And last year, I think it was taking him a little extra time to kind of get going. Uh, But we started to hear toward the end of camp that this guy really could be one of Ohio State's better interior linemen if he played in games the way he was giving Ohio State offensive linemen trouble in practice. Um, And, boy, was he – he was an absolute star of this game. Probably the the biggest standout player because not a lot of people expected Michael Hall to, to play that way. Not because he was far and away the best player on the field. He he just he made you, know, to your point, there are probably a lot of people that are like, who's 51? Mm-hmm. Um, he was in the backfield constantly, and when he wasn't, he really pushed Notre Dame linemen into some tough positions. You know, he th- there was a play where Tommy Eichenberg came on a sack and the whole defensive lineman had, had basically used the slide protection and pushed everything left from the quarterback's perspective and the red sea parted and Tommy Eichenberg Mm -hmm. came flying through the middle and there was no chance for Buckner to get away from it. Um, so even on plays where where Hall didn't
1: record a statistic, I thought he was really, really good. Yep. Yep. And second, second thing there with the with the defense we talked about, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday show this game being personal for Eichenberg considering his brother playing at Notre Dame. Phenomenal game by Tommy, so he's going to have the bragging rights moving forward uh, at the family dinner for sure because he played incredible. Uh, I think he had nine tackles, two sacks. Um, just he he had his hair on fire. Uh, just he was running around. He he looked like he did in the in the Rose Bowl game. Um, just for everywhere. Uh, so great job. And like you said, I think it was Friday show. We talked about. Wanting to see how they react once I get punched in the mouth. The sky was falling with the people I watched the game with on that first play of the game. <laughs> so I was more calm with the people I was watching it with you that thought we were back in last year all of a sudden. I was going to say, and, uh, you want,
0: you want to talk about, you know, a mental rewind. I think everybody inside the stadium and in the tailgate lots looked at each other and
1: said, you, you got to be kidding me, right? Things like, were moving. Things were moving quickly, <laughs> for sure. Not good. To not to just give up a field goal on that first drive was was massive. Just for the the psyche, probably of the defense, like hey, they just had a great play. One missed tackle, which we can get into too, um, probably a little bit later on. Is Josh Proctor miss, misses one tackle and then really doesn't see the field the rest of the game. Yeah, I
0: mean he he came on. I went back because I was actually watching specifically for that. He he did play, um, but he certainly didn't play as often. And mm-hmm. as Lathan Ransom started to get hot, Proctor played less and less. Um, Josh was still in some on defense. He was more in as a special teams guy. Uh, I don't know if Lathan Ransom just took his job or not. Wouldn't surprise me if Ransom starts on Saturday, though. I thought Lathan Ransom was one of my big takeaways from this game. Um, we heard the the terminology from Jim Knowles a couple of weeks ago when asked about ransom that he reads and reacts just about as well as anybody on this team. Uh, and with that mentality, I was watching film on the game thinking, okay, do I see that? And there were some instances where it was so obvious that ransom yeah. just anticipated something,
1: saw it and boom, he was the first guy to the ball. Yeah. Um Jim Knowles' analogy for Lathan's great too. Seeing, I think it's seeing the forest through the trees. Like that yep. you can see him diagnosing everything before it happens, and bang, he's there. When there was a couple of runs that if he misses tackles, they probably break for 30, 40 yards. Um, maybe even go for touchdowns. Yeah. But he made the play every time. So he
0: and Tommy Eichenberg both and, and Steel Chambers. Let's throw him mm-hmm. in there.
1: All, all three of those guys made some rock
0: solid open field tackles that give your defense confidence and, and frustrate you as an offense, because I guarantee you Notre Dame watches this film. They're encouraged because they were, they were tight with a team. They were supposed to be a 17 and a half point underdog against. And the reality is they weren't far away from either stretching the lead early or from, from bouncing back quickly. They were that close to breaking off a couple of big plays uh, that they didn't, and credit goes to the Buckeyes for that. But Notre Dame was not far away, um, and, and so I think if you're a Buckeye fan looking at that, you give you know you give a real tip of the cap to the guys that made big
1: open field tackles for sure. Mm-hmm. My second takeaway getting into uh, what we learned from Saturday night is not so much who the starter is at running back, but who's the finisher. And yeah, it, it was oh. mine. They rode the hot hand. Um, to me, it really doesn't matter who starts but who's running at the end That the, when they need to run it, which they did. So Ohio, we know Ohio State can win sexy games. They can, they can light the scoreboard up. Um, but to win a game like that, I think, gives them a lot of confidence knowing, hey, it was kind of clunky at times. There was not much flow, and we still came out on top. And when we needed to do something, they could do it. Um, so having that confidence going forward, I think, is going to be huge. And another takeaway, just – while we're on the running back topic, and we can talk about that if you want, is how excited Travion Henderson was for Mayan Williams when he punched in that score to kind of ice the game. How about not, right before not that? Sulking, not sulking on the sideline like, hey, it, it's not my time to to shine.
0: I, I want to go before that play because mm-hmm. I, I had specifically written this down, too, and I want to ask Tony Alford this. I. Forgive my ignorance if, if this is incorrect, but the TV camera actually caught this really well because Mayan had run a few plays in a row, including like a 14-yard carry to get them down to the three. Maybe it was an 11-yard carry, but whatever it was, he, he got them mm-hmm. basically inside right. the five. And he, he looked a little gassed. And the cameras panned back to the sideline and caught Trevion Henderson, and he's holding his arms out like this in front of him. And I I I half wondered to myself when I saw that if that was and by the way if you're listening afterwards it, I, I made an X with my forearms because I know some people will watch this or or listen to this after the fact um, you know Travion made this signal out to Miles or out, out to Mayan and and I I kind of wondered if that was Travion's way of telling him don't you ask me to come out of the game you go finish this drive because you've earned mm-hmm. all the hard yards here late uh, when Mayan was hands on his hips and looked a little bit gassed as he was looking toward the sideline. And then the next play he scored. And obviously it was, it was a tough three yards. It's not like he waltzed into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then immediately after scoring the camera panned back to the sideline and Travion was the happiest guy in the sideline. So mm-hmm. th- to your point, man, I, one of the reasons I love this team is because I, I genuinely get the impression If these guys love being good teammates Mm -hmm. and that they're, you know, people want to say, well, CJ Stroud only threw for 230 or or 220 and, you know, didn't look like his normal Heisman potential self. Who cares? He just wants to win. They, they want retribution for what happened last year and you can't fake that. And in those moments where you need guys to feel really good for other guys in the roster, Go back and look at how the sideline reacted when Johnson Go ahead. scored his go-ahead touchdown, and then made the special teams tackle on the kickoff. The next play, I mean, it, it is a it's a really tight knit brotherhood that they talk about. But it's it's one thing to talk yeah, it about. Was a, that was
1: a perfect perfect example of it. Just seeing on that national stage, Travion could have easily been two, three guys back on the sideline, like, hey, this this should be me out here. But no, he was the first guy out there. So when mine scored, and that was fun to watch. Um
0: I the, have balance,
1: the balance of the offense with 35, I think it was 35 runs, 34 passes. I mean, yep. that's what Ryan Day talked about all week, and they did it. I thought at times Coach Day was a little bit, a little funky play calling in the first half, probably almost like feeling out like, hey, what are they doing? What kind of looks are we seeing? Yep, a little and bit. This, the second half, we saw all that. He just said, hey, we're just going to run it, which – was great to see.
0: Well, and, and so from a CJ perspective, um, again, I, I try really hard to be objective. I'm not a homer. I, I, I think Ohio State's really good, and so we praise them a lot. But I'm critical, and I try to be fair when things don't look right. Um, and I'm certainly willing to give credit to the opponent, man. Notre Dame played a lot better defense in the back end mm-hmm. than I thought that they would. I also thought their defensive line was going to be driven more by Isaiah Foskey than it actually was. And that I I guess I was under the impression that if he played well, the rest of the D-line would play better. And I thought Ohio State did a pretty good job, not totally taking Foskey out of the game, but he was not the overwhelming presence that I thought he could be on the defensive line. And their line as a unit still played pretty well. They weren't in the backfield, you know, Mm -hmm. knocking Ohio State off the line of scrimmage, for negative plays repeatedly, but late in the game, part of why CJ looked as good as he did was because he made some really hard throws on the run. And that was, because I didn't didn't know Mayan Williams
1: could catch like that.
0: So that play was incredible. If that doesn't go
1: or that, if they don't make that play, this game might end a little bit differently. So,
0: so, you know, in, in watching a little bit about what Notre Dame did, I mean, they threw a lot of different looks single bracket, double bracket, cover zero, cover one, cover two, two man under that they made it difficult for Stroud to have to go through lots of different progressions. Um, Most teams are probably not going to play the Buckeyes and man because Ohio state is as talented and skilled as they are on the outside. And we're going to get to that in a second too, because they're also young and that shouldn't be overlooked. Um, it, It, the the reason why CJ had to to scramble the way he did was because the Irish have a pretty good defense. And I got to be honest, man, I kind of wonder if we go back at the end of the season and think about the best defenses that Ohio state played during the regular season, I bet you Notre Dame is going to be pretty darn high on that list. If they're not number one, I can't imagine too many defenses that are going to be better than what Ohio state just saw. Um, and I'm not talking about it from a statistical output. I don't care how many yards they had, or or you know, um, which players went off for big games. Like that's not what I'm talking about. Notre Dame was really well coached, and they've got the skill players that that kind of made life difficult for for Ohio mm-hmm. State. So I thought the coverage especially in the back end was tighter and CJ is as good as he is because he can make the throws that were required. There were absolutely times in that game where Marcus Freeman, and he, he may have even said something of this effect after the game. I, I, I didn't catch all of it. There were definitely times in the game where Notre Dame as a coaching staff had to think that's an incomplete pass. If he throws there and it wasn't and, and, that's because CJ Stroud is that good. Um, It's not because Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson was always making those one in a hundred catches. It's because CJ was putting the ball in a tight window and he had talented players that could make some plays. Um, But Notre Dame gave him a lot of different looks. I was impressed by going back at the film and, and watching how he performed.
1: what was it what was one more of your takeaways um Um,
0: i've got a couple um tyler buckner started eight for eight in the first i guess it was 18 minutes because it was the first quarter and then the first three minutes of the second quarter he was eight for eight for 128 yards he was two of 10 the rest of the game um i i thought ohio state that probably didn't do enough justice to the way the Buckeyes were playing defense because Tommy Reese to me called a pretty good game when Notre Dame tried to run the ball between the tackles and it clearly wasn't working. He, he essentially pivoted and said, okay, let's get the ball out of Buckner's hands as quickly as possible onto the perimeter. Um, because the pocket wasn't lasting super long, but he had enough time to to make quick throws. So those eight of eight throws, it's not like he was taking deep shots down the field and hitting home run balls. Um, Once the Buckeyes got to a point where Notre Dame had to be more protective with the way they called plays because the field position wasn't very strong. You don't want to make a stupid mistake when you're inside your own 15-yard line. Um, I I just thought Ohio state did a, a really good job after basically the first quarter defending the pass, um, you know, and they gave up a few first downs along the way, the Buckeyes did, but Notre Dame didn't have any crazy long drives. In fact, I've still got the drive chart up here after Notre Dame scored a touchdown on what was their fourth drive of the game, their ensuing drives, five plays, 23 yards and a punt three and out punt six plays, 34 or six plays, 35 yards, punt six plays, 23 yards, punt five plays, 40 yards, punt three plays, negative 11 yards, punt. Um, You know, so they only had two, three and outs. They picked up a few first downs, but Ohio state never let them get super deep. You know, those drives all ended. uh, Let's see the deepest they got on any of those drives was when they they kind of weirdly uh, punted mm-hmm. from pretty deep in Ohio State's territory, uh, but Notre Dame's average starting field position average was their own 17 yard line. the The Buckeye defense, for as well as they were playing, they had a whole bunch of field to work with, and I think that that kind of weighed in a little bit to what Notre Dame was trying to do offensively. So again. Um, and I thought Tyler will. Buckner. Um, I thought Tyler Buckner was not too big for the moment. I thought, I thought he ran really well when he had mm-hmm. to. Um, he's a tough kid. He made a couple of pretty good throws. He made a couple of you know inexperienced plays, mm-hmm. but he he uh, he was not the reason that
1: Notre Dame lost, in my opinion. No, if you're a Notre Dame fan, I think you're extremely encouraged by what you saw out of Tyler on Saturday night in that environment for your first start. So I think he's going to be just fine moving forward. And you heard a lot of people commenting after the game, at least I did, and I saw it online. Like, hey, first first start for the quarterback, first-year head coach, that environment, um, they're not that good of an offense. That's not that's not true at all. And even if they weren't that good of an offense, Ohio State was giving up yards and points to bad offenses last year. Sure. So for them to have that performance in the second half it's huge, and it's the something gonna, that confidence. The game. Right. They're going to ride that confidence the rest of the season, though, because when we look back at the end, I mean, Notre Dame's going to be a nine, I think, ten-win team. So when people are saying, hey, the, the offense wasn't that – that's just not the case. So, yeah. Yep.
0: Um I thought CJ made a couple of big-time throws. Uh, the one on the run to mine was – Yeah, on the incredible. run in particular. Yeah. Um, he made a couple of them. The, the Mayan one was awesome. Um,
1: Marvin Harrison. Can I, can I ask teams. you a, a question here from yeah. that popped in, um, yeah. from Hugh. And this is a thought that i kind of had during the game too, Hugh. Um, but using a Mecca on some jet sweeps, almost like a Paris Campbell type use for a Mecca. Do you think they're going to see that to add an element, um, to the offense? Cause we really didn't see that Saturday night at all. Um, what do you think about using them that way? Uh,
0: yeah, well? I, I mean, my impression was that Ohio State knew how young its wide receiver group was, and I think with the way Notre Dame was playing, and and the pressure that they were generating, um, especially late in the game, I mm-hmm. I almost feel like the Buckeyes were better off with less risky plays and just trusting the fact that Mayan was as physical as he was and hard to bring down. And it's way harder to bring a guy down when he's running full steam vertically than it is, you know, to try to jet sweep and get to the edge. Um, Missing Jackson Smith and Jigba made a you know maybe played into that a little bit, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing a whole bunch of comments here on our live stream about that. We'll, we'll get into that hit in a second. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll work some of that stuff into the offense eventually, but I it to me, it just didn't feel like the game dictated that kind of play. I liked what Travion Henderson was doing on, on the couple of times he tried to get to the edge. But Ohio State was running the ball effectively between the tackles. So, take the more conservative approach when it's working, right? If there's no reason to try to get tricky, um, that's just kind of how I operate, I guess. I, if I, I had to,
1: if I had to bet, they they have that in the arsenal for sure. Oh, oh sure. They, they, they busted do. out week one. No, you didn't really need to. But yeah, I I think they're going to end up using a mecca like they did. Paris Cam. a lot of quick screens yeah sweeps i mean he's a very similar type player
0: he is so let's talk wide receivers for a second here you know there's obviously an awful lot of conversation around how talented that group is um i I thought there were a few moments where they just looked as young as they are it's Mm -hmm. not a lack of talent the the most obvious one to me you know if you're watching the game if you're at a bar or if you're at home and and maybe you're talking you're not even you know truly paying attention just kind of half watching you know there was an instance late in the game where cj stroud it looked like he threw behind a mecca i I thought that was more on a mecca for not recognizing the zone fast enough and basically just sitting in a pocket of space that might have been 15 yards wide he he ran through it and i think cj expected him to slow down and sit and that's why the ball ended up being thrown behind him it was definitely a first down and and maybe a touchdown because they were, they were, you know, where that ball was thrown incomplete complete was probably around the 15 yard line. Um, just a, a few plays like that here and there where young receivers got caught, maybe looking at the sideline for something as the ball was snapped mm-hmm. and they were a little late off the ball. To me, that's just a rhythm thing. It's like, okay, it's week one. Let's not overreact to this stuff. Give it, certainly the next two weeks um, before you get to big 10 play. I mean, Ohio state's going to have high expectations of these guys when they play Arkansas state and when they play Toledo, but I think the Buckeyes know that they're going to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage these next two weeks. And so working on the little things on the outside is going to show up maybe, you know, more impactfully when Ohio state is back into the big 10 play. Um, Talent is there for sure, but I'm just not going to get
1: worried about maybe a few little young mistakes here and there. No, it's week one. I mean, nope they they play scrimmages against themselves, but you know, it's there's going to be some growing pains when you got new guys on the on the outside. So, all in all, week one was a success. Um, really, not many drops. I mean, some tough throws that that they maybe could have caught, but those are those plays will come. I mean, it, yep. there's nothing concerning about what we saw from the receiver Saturday night. And to have a guy like Xavier Johnson who uh, when he scored the touchdown, Fowler had to check to see who <laughs> who that was. Um, to have a kid like that make that play in that game is is incredible and to see, like you hit on it earlier, to see how excited his teammates got for him. And he's going to get more opportunities now that he, he went in there and did that in that moment. So.
0: Well, especially with Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, in my opinion, unlikely to play yep. the next couple of what weeks. Are you, what are you
1: hearing there next? So there was, was, the report, there was a
0: report uh, that came out last night. Uh, it, it's not our original reporting. I saw it on Two Four Seven Sports that basically said uh, that you know he was dealing with a, a minor um, hamstring injury and that it's it's a low grade strain and you know he, he's going to probably miss a game or two now is that based on the severity of the injury or is or that based on who they're playing? Right. You know, it's, it is so much more important for him to be healthy against Wisconsin than it is for him to be healthy the next two weeks. Right. So I, I would just anticipate that, you know, he's going to get whatever treatment he needs to to try to be healthy in what is what 19 days, I guess, when they play, uh, when they play Wisconsin, mm-hmm. um, just the only let other set
1: these next couple of weeks out, we yeah, if you need Jackson Smith and Jigman these next two games, something went uh horribly wrong. So just let him get healthy and be ready to go for Wisconsin.
0: Yep. Uh, only other thing I had written down here was it was twofold. Uh, I wrote down that JT Tui looked powerful, Michael Hall was overwhelming, and I thought Teron Vincent was pretty solid. i loved the way that Jim Knowles used Jack Sawyer, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that position evolves. Uh, I like that sometimes he was in a three-point stance. Sometimes he was in a two-point. He was inside. He was outside. There was a lot of pre-snap movement. Um, Jim Knowles' defense is aggressive and fast and based on confusion. Mm -hmm. And especially for a young quarterback like Tyler Buckner, there had to be a few moments along the way where that was tough. Uh, And you certainly saw a couple of sacks that he took a pretty good lick on You know, is that his fault? Is it the offensive line's fault? Did they slide the right way? Um, You know, I'm not an offensive line expert, but um, regardless, the the Buckeye defense intended to be confusing and clearly was, which I thought was good. Um, And the last thing I wrote down was just that Ohio State ran it when they had to. You know, early in the game, there were some moments where, you know, personally, I'm like, okay, why, why are we going away from the run here? Is it because Ryan Day loves to throw the ball? Is it because he trusts C.J. Stroud, you know, so inherently that he just wants to get that part of the offense going? Is it a reps thing for certain guys? What's the deal here? Um, and the reality is, after the day or after the game, Ryan Day was asked by Doug Maurice at Cleveland.com. He, he said essentially, "We know what your offenses looked like for five years. How much more satisfied are you, or is it more satisfying for you that?" you were able to win this kind of a game where you had to grind out tough yards on the ground. And Ryan Day had this big smile on his face. He almost cut Doug off. He's like, yes, yes, it was. (laughs) Um, Obviously meaningful that, you know, when it was called upon late Ohio state, erased all those toughness questions for sure.
1: People's ears are probably going to bleed when I say this, but when I was watching Saturday night, it made me feel like that Michigan game. And what michigan did to us we knew they were running it yeah couldn't do anything about it that's that's what it felt like so sorry to make people's ears bleed on no
0: okay, it's, it, am, that's what it it's it what felt like called.
1: michigan and so if they can do that down the stretch and i don't it doesn't matter who they use they were both running it pretty well at the end travion and, and mine so yeah um i saw a comment earlier asking about um uh, who the third running back is it's So Dan, Hall, uh, yeah the yeah, third running
0: back right now is Hayden. Um, I, I mean, he obviously didn't get any offensive snaps. Admittedly, I didn't look to see if he played special teams. Um, I didn't and, see him out
1: there from memory. I was looking for him too.
0: I didn't. I mean, he, he definitely has gotten the praise of the coaching staff and and from Ryan Day in particular, he said, Hey, Dallin's mm-hmm. been really impressive. He is rock solid right now. Our third guy. And and we would feel comfortable using him if we had to. Um, they just didn't get to that point. Maybe the game just didn't dictate it yet. Um, so yeah, those are those are kind of the the biggest takeaways from this game. You know, I, I'm encouraged by what I saw from Ohio State's defense for sure. I'm not concerned about what I saw offensively against what I thought was a really good team, and I anticipate that you know the Buckeyes the next couple of weeks are probably going to look a little bit more like what you're used to seeing um, because they're going to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more Arkansas State starting tomorrow, but. Uh, In general, our rhythm on this podcast is going to be to to kind of take Monday. I know a lot of people like NFL football on Sundays uh, and especially if Ohio State's playing a night game, which they tend to do almost half the time, um, you know, to to be able to still take Monday and kind of look back at, okay, we watch the tape. Here are some of the things that we took away from the game um, before we start turning our, uh, our attention to the next opponent on Tuesday. So we'll start talking about the coming week tomorrow. Uh, The schedule for the week is fairly normal. Ryan Day will address the media on Tuesday. We have learned that uh, Perry Eliano, uh, Ohio State's defensive backs coach, along with Tim Walton, but um, Perry Eliano is going to address reporters after Ryan Day. And then we will talk to C.J. Stroud. That's coming up uh, tomorrow afternoon. And then on Wednesday, Ohio State has media availability after practice. And we are going to check in with... Let me give you who is supposed to be available here. Uh, Cam Brown, Mecca Igbuka, Zach Harrison, Ronnie Hickman, Donovan Jackson, Matt Jones, and JT Tuimolo Al. Those are the players that are scheduled to make an appearance for us on Wednesday. So we'll get a little offense, a little defense, get a taste of both uh, both lines. Uh, that should be good. Looking forward to that. Um, Thursday's Ryan Day's radio show. Friday is uh an off day for the media and, and a walkthrough for the team before they host Arkansas state on Saturday. And we continue on with this uh, early part of the season where the Buckeyes come off with a 21 to 10 win. Craig, before we wrap it up, anything else you want to hit? Oh, uh, hit. yeah. I want to talk about the, uh, right.
1: Yeah. Let's um, talk about the, let's talk about the hit. Um, it was a bang, bang play. I mean, elbow to the back of the head for sure. Uh, it, that was a tough one. I mean, it's, it stinks to lose JSN on the second drive of the game, but was it an egregious hit? No. Was it? I was going to say in real time,
0: in real time when you see a guy get hit and his helmet fly off immediately, you're irate. Right. And I, I was before seeing the replay, I was really irritated that there
1: was no flag thrown. Um, Especially in today's, anytime you see that in yep. today's game, there's a flag coming out. Or or at
0: least reviewed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in trying to be objective, <laughs> once I saw the replay, and especially once I saw it from the reverse angle, I was a little less upset about it. I still thought it should have been a penalty. But I thought the way Jackson was falling because of his leg kind of crumbling underneath him mm-hmm. probably helped make that play look worse. And the defensive back clearly didn't lead with his head. He, he clearly led with his shoulder. And as Jackson was falling and turning and the way he hit him, you know, he hit him in the head, but it's a, it's a tough sport. I, I don't know. I can understand why they didn't throw the flag. If I were refereeing the game, I probably would have thrown it there um but i wouldn't have thrown it for targeting i would have just called that unnecessary roughness but it's a tough the game last, man. you're gonna hit it hard
1: the, the last two quick takeaways from saturday just not game related i thought the new turf looked fantastic yeah uh, from seeing pictures on twitter and, and instagram it was kind of hard to see the gray outline of the end zones so i thought that looked really cool kind of the of the lettering uh if you will So it made it kind of really pop. And they're kind of going to that new O, just barely tweaked a little bit uh, in the middle of the field, kind of like a more 3D is not the word, but you're seeing it on a lot of apparel now, that different shaped O that they're going um, to. So that looked really good. And then coming in where the the players run in from the tunnel, it's a black kind of carpet-like material. That needs to be changed to red if they're going to keep having all these Star-studded affairs because you just got to roll the, the red carpet, carpet. out. Of you. I like that. I mean, if you if you have Adele, if you have Adele at your game, any everybody from Adele to to Bronny James, I mean, it was just an incredible scene. Every five minutes, you're seeing the who's who of the sports world walk out of the tunnel. I mean, it speaks too to to have a former player, which we can get into that another time. Whether Joe Burrow is a Buckeye or not, I mean, he's got a degree from there. But when you have former players show up that never got on the field to come support the team. And maybe he was there watching as a fan, but it, to have Joe Burrow there, Super Bowl uh, quarterback last year, um, and just all the guys that, that were there to, to have the nine or ten, I think the final count might have been 10 five five-star recruits. I mean, to have Keon, um, the five-star defensive end, that I know they really want. I saw a comment earlier, I forget who said it, that if he could get a pick with LeBron, he would commit. Ohio State. I saw the the picture on Twitter, so let's see if he holds true to that. I like to that, that uh, word, but just the yeah. That's my only other thing. Maybe change that carpet to red coming out if they're going to keep having That'd all these cool. celebrities show up.
0: That'd be cool. I saw one other thing on here. We'll wrap up with the uh, the um, defensive target. or the, Yeah, the the targeting review on Mike Hall um, mm-hmm. that was buzzed down. When there was nothing from the booth that triggered a review on the Jackson Smith and Jigba uh hit. Yeah, I can understand why as a Buckeye fan, that's
1: frustrating for sure. That if that would have been mm-hmm. targeting, that but, would have been
0: Yeah, but to, to be honest, I mean, I thought they nailed the call correctly mm-hmm. with my call. He he clearly it, it was not he lowered the crown of his helmet because he tripped over the offensive lineman's leg. It wasn't because he was trying to spear the quarterback. He was coming in, you know, as you're taught and the offensive tackle who was holding up somebody, I forget who was Russian kind of had his right leg out as he was trying to keep a wider base and Hulk clipped him and, you know, stumbled forward. So much to me, that's a much different uh, scenario than what, what they're trying to take out of the game. And while the review was annoyingly long for that, um, you know, they got the call, right? So I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. All right. That'll wrap up our, uh, our upon further review, what we learned about Ohio state podcast when uh, the Buckeyes opened the season with a 21, 10 victory over Notre Dame, we are on to week two, the Arkansas state Red Wolves coming to town on uh, Tuesday here in the shoe. The Buckeyes have a great home schedule uh, with a lot of big name opponents this might not qualify as a big-name opponent, but if you want to see some offensive fireworks, Ohio State's a 44-point favorite against Arkansas State. I think you got a pretty good chance to see some offensive fireworks on Saturday. We've got a lot of coverage planned for you all week. We'll be live again tomorrow morning as we start talking about Arkansas State, and uh, we'll let you know what we're expecting to hear from Ryan Day when uh, he will address the media tomorrow afternoon. We'll have a Buckeye report, of course, from the Woody Hayes Athletic Center tomorrow after we hear from him. For Craig Heisen, I'm Brendan Gulick. Follow us on BuckeyesNow.com for all your latest written content. Uh, Buckeyes Now on Sports Illustrated, on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Buckeyes Now SI is our handle, uh, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We love having such a great audience for this. We've been on for almost an hour, and, and we've had a boatload of conversation going. Uh, much of it we we used to kind of chat about uh, some of the topics that we hit. So, uh, thanks for your participation in that as well, and look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Go Bucks! Have a great uh, have a great Monday holiday, and, and we'll see you again tomorrow morning.